Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. And welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is June 1st, 2015, and this is episode 124. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of one Mr. Scott Magnus. Now, if you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing it on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. It's also possible that you found us on the Baltimore Sports Report Network, as we are proud partners and members of that Baltimore Sports Report Network. Um, if you're over there at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, make sure you check out the other great podcasts on the network, uh, Baltimoreans, Baltimore Sports Report, Between Two Birds, The Zardcast, uh, Red Shell Radio, who am I missing? Oriole Spastics, if they ever came back. We miss you, Oriole Spastics. Also check out Baltimore Sports Today, which is BSR's daily podcast. Um, and also tune in, tune in all season as we bring you BSR postgame live every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, Scott or I will be there to uh, regale you with the wonderful events of that night. Where We talk about Orioles baseball? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Maybe not so wonderful, but sometimes they're sometimes, good. Sometimes, yeah. Um, if you're rarely. gonna if you're gonna get this show, make sure you do it on some third party platforms. Let me tell you about them. We're on Stitcher, we're on Miro, we're on Double Twist, and uh, yeah, you can get us on Apple, uh, on iTunes. If you're gonna do it on any of those third party applications, please make sure that you rate this show. Tell us what you think. Leave a review. It really helps us out, and we appreciate it. Social media, we're all over the place. Facebook, uh, Google Plus, but we really like Twitter. You can find us tweeting at. Bird's eye view, B-A-L. And with that, Scott, let's go to the important thing. Okay. What's your drink of the week? Jake, I am drinking a Brewer's Art Beasley Ale, which is the Aussie name change after they got sued. All right. I have a problem with this beer. Okay. I have a problem with this beer, not on the grounds of its taste. Yes. However, I think that it should be called litigation. Or cease and desist. Yes. Cease and desist actually is a much better name. <laughs> Since that's what happened today, we got a cease and desist lever from the Osbournes. I think cease and desist would have been an excellent name. I, I think they missed an opportunity. Yes. Uh, I am drinking a Corona uh, provided by my host here at SD Studios, and I am uh, quite thankful for it. Someone has to drink that swill. I didn't realize you'd be three deep in at this point. Hey, so. if somebody has to do it, it might as well be me, right? I guess so. Um, and if that hurts you, let's talk about what hurts us. Let's go to the medical wing. So in the medical wing, of course, Adam Jones is day-to-day with a left ankle sprain. He's been out of the lineup for two days, and on Monday night, the night that we're recording, he's back in the lineup, but again, out of center field. Um, he seems to be work, doing pretty well along the base pass. Certainly not too concerned, I guess, but it's something that's going to be warranted attention to see if it flares back up again. I'm concerned. 
Because he's the best player on the team, and you saw how bad the Orioles were when he was not in the lineup? Well, I mean, yeah, but that's not why I'm concerned. Oh, because David Lowe plays left center field when he doesn't play. David Lowe gets guaranteed at bats when he doesn't play center field. I say so the David Lowe hate train has started. Um, the big news of today, though, is J.J. Hardy is complaining about left side soreness. And uh, that's obviously not good news, uh, given consideration that J.J. Hardy had a back issue before. But also, this is a... Uh, he's had a previous injury here back in 2011 as well. Jake, do you know what that injury is? Uh, I'm looking at my left side. I'm I'm not really sure what I'm not really sure what can be over there. Uh, could, could you clue me in? Yeah, I can clue you in. It's something that Buck didn't want to mention, but this injury, uh, well, we've had a history with it on the Orioles. You and me used to flash some leather. Hit some dongs together always. I really feel that I'm losing my big swing. I do believe this could mean the DL. You've heard me so. Band sales and evil no. And you just told me that I've got to go. Oh, please, I know I hurt you swinging, so please stop your straining. No don'ts because it hurts. Oh, please. So wait a minute. Are you telling me what I think you're telling me? Yes, I'm telling you that's a possible oblique injury. You're, you're telling me that it's possible that J.J. Hardy will have an oblique injury that has him out for a good portion of the season, and then he's going to come back and then he's going to be not effective, and he's going to have a PED suspension? Let's not get that carried away. Okay. Okay. Um, with that, well, I guess we'll wait and see what happens and see if this is a one-time thing or not, but J.J. seemed a little concerned about it. Um, Matt Weiders is coming back this week, uh, either on Thursday or Friday. He's uh, catching in Norfolk on Tuesday. Uh, he's actually catching Bud Norris, who's making a rehab start. He might be a candidate to come back into, well, Buck said he's coming back into the rotation at the end of this week. Thoughts, Jake? Uh, well, unfortunately, I think the only guys that I want out of the rotation right now are not the ones that are going to get booted. So uh, I hope Bud's good. I really want, look, I want Bud, uh, Bud Norris to be good, but. You want him to be uh, Stud Norris again, but. I, I do. But it's not happening. Uh, and Cupman Gossman is finally starting to pitch in some rehab games and minor leagues. He's going to start out in Frederick and progress his way up. That's going to be starting this Saturday. So uh, I guess they're going to start to build that uh, that endurance back up, which they probably should have been doing during spring training. If only. If only. All right. Well, with that, uh, I think we've had enough depressing news out of the medical wing and enough singing at that well as well. So let's Ooh, go. We broke our new singing rule. Yeah. Let's go to the twat. All right, this week on the Twitters, first from Dylan Atkinson, who has been a guest on uh, uh, Post Game Live, uh, also a member of the fine Orioles Uncensored uh, podcast, which we recommend that you go check out. He tweets as follows. Hashtag Orioles failed to take advantage of 20 home games in May. They now face 30 of the next 53 on the road. Yikes. Man. If you can't win them at home, you're not going to win them on the road. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's 23 home games to 30 road games. It's just you got to start putting together series wins. It's as simple as that. Yes. you you At some point, 
you do have to win games. They, they're only, you know, two games back. The rest of the AL East is crapping itself. But really, at some point, you have to start winning. Unless you're not a good team. Uh, for now, this comes from Rockabotko. Uh, he tweets, unless something changes unexpectedly, it doesn't sound like Orioles planning to call up a reliever. Bucks has must have enough bullpen arms. I guess that's really up to the starters, isn't it? It kind of is, but yeah, honestly, the starters have been going pretty deep into games, so the bullpen seems pretty rested right now. The next tweet we have is from MLB Communications, which tweets at MLB underscore PR. It's a very complicated picture, and I apologize when we include visuals in the twat, but let me just break it down for you. It's a picture of the 2015 American League All-Star Balloting Update Number 2, and I won't tell you anything other than the fact that the Kansas City Royals fans are really into voting early and often, and that the Orioles are right where they belong in All-Star voting which is nobody on the leaderboard. Yeah, the closest one is Adam Jones, who is trailing uh, Alex Gordon by like 300,000 votes. So look at the team and the way it's it's performing right now and tell me if there's an all-star in this club. Uh, Adam Jones is probably the only person I would pick at this time. I'm sure the AL manager will agree with you. As a reserve, yes, but probably not as a starter. Uh, look, it's the All-Star game, and uh, as much as the Orioles have stuffed the ballot boxes over the past few seasons as well, I'm not getting into it. I see fit that the Royals are uh, stuffing the ballot box. No, good for them. Yeah. Uh, can we go on to the next thing and not talk about the uh, the stupidity of what is the All-Star game and talk about the greatest thing ever on Twitter, and that's Jim Palmer. Uh, Jim Palmer, you can follow him at Jim22Palmer. Can't get O's to elusive 500, but I can lighten the mood in Spencer's train pajamas. Hashtag back on track. At Orioles, at Mass and Orioles, and it is uh, Jim Palmer in some training pajamas, and uh, once again proving Jim Palmer is the master of Twitter. He, re- you know, <laughs> how old is Jim Palmer at this point? He's sixty-two, sixty-three. I think he's older than that. I hope not. But uh, Jim Palmer, sixty-nine. Yeah, Jim Palmer gets sixty-nine Twitter. Maybe. It's it's amazing. He he has been such a welcome addition to the Twitter world. All right, next up on the Twitter. This is the eighth wonder of the world, and it occurred yesterday on Sunday, and it comes from Mike Petrillo. You can follow him at Mike underscore Petrillo. And it has nothing to do with Jim Palmer's uh, train jammies. No, it doesn't, but it's actually an equally impressive feat. I have just witnessed in person a Bartolo Colon extra base hit. I no longer have anything to achieve on this planet. Not only did Bartolo Colon have one extra base hit yesterday, he had two extra base hits with an RBI. Signs of the apocalypse, folks. It's pretty crazy. All right, next we have we have two straight tweets coming from at Camden Chat. Hmm. I'm not sure we've ever done that on this program. I don't think so, but they're well they're quality, worth it. Yes. The first one comes from, of course, at Camden Chat, the great folks over there at Camden Chat. We, we recommend that you go check them out. Hoping that J.J. Hardy's current Orioles contract doesn't end up looking like Brian Roberts' last Orioles contract. Ouch. I want him to be wrong so Ouch. bad. I want this so much. It burns. But he comes back, and it, this goes into the tweet category of, how do we miss this? Um, coming from Ken Chad says, I also guess that st- uh, hashtag Steam Cleveland might have just been a little inappropriate for television. Jake, how do we miss that? I have no idea. We need to step up our game once again. Final one. This goes to the category of, do I take the red pill or the blue pill? Um, this comes from Jason Collette. You can follow him at Jason Collette. He is an MLB uh, reporter for the Tampa Bay Rays. 
And he writes, Jimmy Paredes, and includes a picture of Morpheus saying, what if I told you that an AL player with the highest chase percentage and swinging strike percentage was also batting 331? Wow. That's pretty poor in terms of, you know, plate discipline for Jimmy Paredes. And it certainly has been the case over the past week where Jimmy Paredes has uh, struggled mightily at the plate. Uh, Jake, you know, the offense has been, well, they've been scuffling lately. Let's go ahead and break it down a little bit and figure out what the heck could possibly be going on and whether it's plate discipline or just strict dumb luck. Would you like to swing on a star? Carry moonbeams home in a jar And be better off than you are Or would you rather be a mule? A mule is an animal with long, funny ears All right, Jake, I've got a a little thing that is kind of an extension of the twat. And, well, you posted something uh, this weekend on Saturday, and it was, by my count, the Orioles got themselves out in seven pitches in the ninth inning. Not a good effort. And you you followed up with Pat Holden, who uh, writes for Camden Depot and does the Highball Talk podcast over there. Highly recommend you go check out those guys over there. Um, And he puts some good thoughts, at least in my opinion. He says, to be fair, the second and third outs are scorched. Uh, you post back, oh, that does make me feel better. Or feel, nope. Um, and then he responded back, that's fair, but I disagree with the number of pitches is necessarily indicative of the effort. And I kind of wanted to break this out because, Jake, uh, I kind of agree with Pat on this one. Look, I think we, we need to have an important conversation here. Pat's a very smart guy. Are we Pat- really going to have a, an important conversation on this podcast? No, okay. not at all. Pat's a very smart guy. Pat's a, a an enjoyable uh, follow on Twitter. Logical. And and yes. in this instance, Pat was right. But here's the problem, Scott. Mm-hmm. Pat being right had nothing to do with my frustrations and the narrative that I was trying to put out there on Twitter. Gotcha. So you had a soapbox and you wanted to stand and preach off that soapbox. No, no. I really would call that a tantrum. Oh, okay. That was a that was straight up the Orioles just lost and I'm angry tantrum. So was this tantrum or hissy fit? Mm, so close okay I, you know we were it's, right a thin, on, it's a thin line i was right on the edge okay. look and and i you know I, I went i went back to pat just the once with the what, what i thought was funny and after he he brought up you know the the indicative of effort line i was like damn it he's right but i'm not, i just had to let it go but in all honesty you look at the numbers for may for the offense and it has been absolutely abysmal Pulling up the main numbers, the Orioles as a team are batting 231 for their average, 287 for their on-base percentage, and 358 for their slugging percentage. Jake, in terms of WOBA, which I think is a great stat to look at, 285 gives them a 78 weighted runs created plus as the entire team, which is 20 percentage points lower than any other team in Major League Baseball on an average. And the league average. Exactly. So uh, definitely uh, a significant difference uh, in terms of you know what they are putting up in April. Um, in April, for example, 286 average, 345 average, 482 slugging percentage, 356 Woba, and their weighted runs created plus was 128, so 28 points better than league average. So they basically have flip-flop positions. And Jake, to just to put it in perspective, they were dead last in offense in May. Worst team offensively out there in terms of weighted runs created plus. Not a good sign. But there are a few interesting things. And the one thing that I thought was interesting was – 
if you look at their walk percentages and you look at their strikeout percentages, they're nearly identical in my opinion. Uh, 22.6 strikeout percentages to 6.5 walk percentage in May, April 21% K percentage to 7.4. Certainly not something that I would say, oh my gosh, that's completely different. But the other thing I want to point out was the line drive percentage, 21% in May, 21.9% in uh, in April. But the Babbitt's Jake are completely different. 330 Babbitt in uh, in April, 277 Babbitt in, uh, in, in May. So, um, you know, I don't want to come back and just say that, you know, the Orioles have been in a funk. But when you look at that line drive percentage and you look at that discrepancy in Babbitt, you have to kind of think to yourself, well, the strike cards aren't different, the walks aren't different, and the line drives are about the same. Maybe they just are in a funk. It's it's crazy because, you know, I, I flipped out basically. And, l- and let me break down the situation, all right? Because the situation was what made me crazy. Um, on Sunday, all right, we got to a point where the Orioles got behind when Chris Tillman exploded. The Orioles managed to load the bases. Yes. Down by four runs. Yes. Okay? At the plate was Steve Pierce, who, by the way, has hit a grand slam this season. He has. They loaded the bases by not only hitting, but by being patient through a, a pitcher that was struggling. The last two guys to get on were walked. And certainly, Jake Odorizzi doesn't strike you as a struggling command pitcher. And if something is happening in that regard, no, you milk it. He was, he was <laughs> having an off day. Not only was his command off, but he was also hittable. I mean, Delman Young hit two home runs, and Manny Machado hit two home runs. And there were a lot of line drive outs as well uh, in, in terms of it. It certainly seemed like uh, his sinker wasn't sinking in terms of it breaking it in the fashion that it's supposed to. So uh, definitely an Odorizzi game that wasn't. The game was still well within foot, basically. So, again, bases loaded situation. Two consecutive walks. And Steve Pierce Mm. swung at the first pitch. Yeah. Now, this goes back to the conversation. And I'm cherry picking. I'm totally cherry picking. And I will admit to that. Yeah. But my frustration with with what I noted uh, when Pat called me out and was righter than me in that particular instance was true again here. I feel like... There are two ways of looking at it. The first is you see a good pitch, you put a good swing on it. Sure. And if the results don't work out for you, okay, don't worry about it. But on the other hand, on the other side of that, I feel like you need to be situationally aware. Mm -hmm. And in the case of Steve Pierce, again, two straight walks, command issues, obviously running out of gas. Look at something. Sure. Make him throw a strike. And that goes back to, you know, the Jimmy Paredes um, out in the previous game where Two quick outs. You're the last chance. Look at a couple pitches. Make sure you get a good at bat. I, I feel like maybe the Orioles are micro in a microcosm getting themselves out, mm-hmm. and that's what you're looking at with this dumb luck thing. I, it's not something that I think is going to continue throughout the whole season, but it's really frustrating because I think that it's an approach. I think it's an approach thing and not anything else. Okay. Now I would I would love for you to be righter than me and tell me something else, Jake. Uh, I I can refute your entire argument very quickly regarding Please. this uh this plate approach. Please do. October third, two thousand fourteen, <laughs> a day that will live in infamy. ALDS game number two, October third. Uh, Delvin Young comes to the plate. Bases are loaded. First pitch from Joachim Soria to him after being a little while beforehand and. Uh, that ball was promptly put up against the wall, and uh, well, the Orioles scored three runs that game and uh, won ALDS game number two, all because 
first pitch swinging dumb and young was able to unload the bases. So if you get a pitch you like, you take it. Okay. <laughs> I'm tugging at your heartstrings here. Why would you do that to me? <laughs> Why in the name of God would you do that to me? If you're going to be right, and I don't have a problem with you being right. We've, we've spent, this is our fourth season doing Bird's Eye View. You, you best me in many of these conversations, but you don't have to go after the ALDS game two feels. That's, yes. that's unnecessary. That, that's harsh. Okay. Well, with that, what, what do the Orioles do to get out of this at this point? I, I, one of the things that I, I think you're, you're tinkering with right now is another example of, you know, Steve Pierce. Yeah. Steve Pierce, by all the peripherals, is not having terrible at-bats, but having terrible results. Sure. Well, I'm going to write an article about this on uh, Baltimore Sports Report, so check this out later this week. But I've been looking at Steve Pierce, I've been looking at plate discipline, and if you look at his numbers, his line drives are very high right now. They're above 20%, uh, which is a career high, but his bat pip is right around 195. And the question is, why? With that kind of number, his Babbitt should be right around like 318 to 330, depending on how you're calculating Babbitt. But my biggest issue is if you look at some of his batted ball distances that he's been uh, putting out there, but also he's been you know pulling the ball all the time. He's actually pulling the ball more so than Chris Davis is, so he's not hitting it to opposite field. So as much as we want to get on Chris Davis for not being able to hit the ball to the opposite field, C. Pierce is in that same boat right now, and I think teams are starting to shift on him quite dramatically, and I think they're starting to position themselves in order to uh, catch those line drives to a certain regard. So... Do I think the discrepancy is completely there to explain why he's going from a 313 to a 195? Now, I think that's some, there's definitely some bad luck in there. But Steve Pierce needs to go opposite field more often. And uh, he showed that ability to do so last year, even with a closed stance. It looks like he's having a breakdown in mechanics in terms of um, him shrugging his shoulder at the back end um, and basically uh, breaking his not breaking his knee, but bending his knee in the process in order to take it, whereas he just needs to use the bat head to actually flick it out into opposite field as opposed to torquing his entire body. When he torques his whole body that way, it also induces a lot of weak contact. And if you get that weak contact, you're going to ground out or you're going to just going to pop up or fly out to the right fielder. I think the weird thing about what's going on right now is that it's all bad all at the same time. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing to me. Uh, and, you know, you ask, is it is it uh, variance? Is it just sheer dumb bad luck? To me, the bad luck portion is everybody's sucking at once. Jones, who was carrying the team. Paredes, who was carrying the team. Um, everybody else. Do you mind if I go through a few numbers for Adam Jones? And looking at April, I'm going to stick with Woba here. 480 Woba, 212 weighted runs created plus. And he had an amazing line drive percentage to start the season, 28.4. And we looked at his uh, outside swing percentage, 38.5, a little less than his career. But again, the big thing that we talked about with Jeff Sullivan is his contact percentage is up 82.1%. So I thought to myself, all right, Jones is faltering now. I guarantee you his strike percentage is up, and I guarantee you his contact numbers are down. Nope, uh, that's not the case whatsoever. Uh, contact number is 84.5%, and his K percentage is 12.3 compared to 11.9. So there certainly doesn't seem to be a big difference in terms of him striking out more. Line drive percentage is definitely down from 28 to 19.8. But Adam Jones, once again, is just you know putting good contact on ball, but he's not getting those base hits like he was in April. Uh, again, just a really poor Babbitt to go along with as well. I, I see Adam Jones being able to pull out of this eventually, um, 
But, you know, Zach Wilton made a great point on the uh, article on Barnum Sports Report today is when Adam Jones ran into that wall at Yankee Stadium on May 5th, maybe some of that power sapped a little bit and he's going to be kind of, you know, tweaked a little bit. And he hasn't been able to get a really strong line drives going here. Um, hopefully with this little bit of rest that he had for the past two days and with him coming back with, you know, a better ankle, maybe he kind of gets back into a groove again. The other thing is that you know, outside of Tillman, we've seen a lot of really good starts from Orioles pitching. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, the the Orioles finally score five runs and they give up nine uh, on Sunday. But I'm hoping that the the bats will be, you know, the pressure will be taken off, so to speak, as the rotation starts to settle down. The bullpen has been great. The bullpen has has been really fantastic of late. So hopefully, the the lineup will get to the point where they're not all collectively pressing you have to think that after a really bad month like this and a really good month in april that things are going to balance out and this team is going to return to being in you know top 10 offensive team maybe not number one like they were uh, to start the season um but hopefully a top 10 team once again in offense i think it's definitely possible just doesn't seem like things have clicked yet for this entire team and you know, you got four months left, plenty of time. Let's not get worried. That's a really good point because I've been very guilty of living in the moment this season, as I think we all have. Because again, the demons of the dark period are not gone. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not used to following a good club yet. Right. And so a, a period like this of a couple of months of just really struggling, ugly baseball, that's hard for this fan base and me personally to take without getting super negative about it. I've been having a hard time with taking the longer view. Um, so I think that your your point is perfectly salient. Well, honestly, I think there is really a good way to do this when you are emotionally distraught. I think it's sometimes good to take a step back and, you know, free your mind with a little bit of poetry. So let's talk about language and poetry and go from there. When I see my baby, what do I see? Scott, I had an interesting conversation with a colleague this week. He's not a sports fan, uh, but he foolishly asked me a question about the Orioles and things snowballed from there. And we quickly realized that we were experiencing that classic cool hand Luke failure to communicate because I was throwing around baseball jargon without really thinking about it. Now, it wasn't the stat nerd jargon. I wasn't using Babic or RE24. And I have to say, Scott, you've, you've brought me a long way in the last three years, but it wasn't that. Um, I was using phrases like 500 or games back, things that I completely take for granted. And one thing I want to make clear here, in this particular situation, th- this guy, he's much smarter than me. All right. And I mean much smarter. In most of our conversations, he makes me feel like a pre-op Charlie Gordon. This got me thinking, however, that one of the things that I romanticize about this game that I love so much is the rich, highly specific language. You, you get that most on the radio. And if you listen to a ball game on the radio, and occasionally if you watch it on TV, you are immersed in the poetry of baseball. 
my absolute favorite, and I have no idea why, is when a batter is described as would be next. You hear that when there are two outs and the announcer is telling you who's at bat and who's on on base and what the situation is, mm-hmm. what the count is, and if that inning were to continue, the batter on deck would be next. It's a hopeful phrase. It, it's one that gives you a brief glimpse into what the next chapter of the story might be. And the semantics of baseball, especially the semantics of listening to baseball on the radio, is an interesting one. I know that when my wife were to listen to baseball on the radio, she'll constantly have to turn to me and say, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, well, this is what's going on. And, you know, they're using imagery here. And she's just like, how the hell do you know what's going on? It's like, it's kind of like riding a bike. You just, you just know what's kind of going on. So, Jake, I wanted to go through a few terminologies that, you know, have come up, at least in, in our vocabulary, that I think is interesting. So let's start with pitching. Uh, one that I want to talk about is painting the black, which is kind of, you know, getting the edges of the plate and just getting where the black marks are on that plate. Yeah, it's it, and it's, you know, it's so simple. If you know that the, the plate is a white thing that's shaped like a pentagon or, or and, and has black trim, but unless you're familiar with baseball— that's practically meaningless. Yep. Uh, a few other ones. We're going to just roll down this list uh, because I'm sure anyone that's listening to this has heard this. If you've never heard of these, uh, send us an email over at uh, contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com and we'll break them out for you. But terminology such as payoff pitch, a brush back, chin music, high and tight. Um, I, I love that there there are so many phrases for the curveball. Yeah. You know, the number two, the hammer, the old Uncle Charlie, the knee buckler. Or a changer, which is referred oftentimes as pulling the string. You know, a pitcher will get the hook when he's pulled from the game. Yeah, or of course, you know, the Orioles always rely on the pitcher's best friend, which is the double play. Um, a free pass is another great one for pitching. And then you have the uh, you have the uh, definite the, the descriptions of the players themselves. Yeah. First, you have a, a, a bullpen arm, somebody who comes in, he throws gas, he's called. He's the fireman. Absolutely. And then uh, there's this other thing. Or if you pour gasoline on yourself, you're the protester. <laughs> right. There's another one. Uh, it's a term which has no meaning in Baltimore. Uh, what is it that I'm looking for? It's the ace. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Your number one starter. Uh, let's go over to hitting. Uh, we saw a lot of this on Sunday's game. It's uh, the dying quail that uh, is kind of like the uh, blue pit. I get bloop is another one, too. Of kind of being a baseball terminology. Uh, another one is uh, pretty famous in Baltimore. Baltimore Chop. Love this one. Of course, it's a hit that goes almost straight down, bounces off the area near the plate, high enough into the air that the runner has the uh, opportunity to advance. It's it's a wonderful uh, expression. What about the choke and poke? Well, first of all, the choke and poke, I'm just going to stop and let all the listeners fill in their own dirty joke. But it's it's basically when you choke up on the bat, you try to put the contact on the ball and just poke it through the infield to get, get a hit. We call it the Nick Marcakis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there's a punch and Judy hitter. Punch and Judy hitter until yesterday was basically Delman Young. Yes, exactly. Uh, hit it on the screws. This is another expression that has nothing to do with baseball. There's not screws in a bat? There's not, but it's when you, you hit the ball really hard with a good part of the bat, you, you've said to be hitting it on the screws. Again, from outside of baseball, that makes no sense. Of course, there's gopher balls as well. Absolutely. Gopher ball, of course, is, is a ball that takes... Well, there are two ways, actually two uh, ways in which this is yeah. used in the game. The first is a ball which takes a bounce that it totally shouldn't have taken Correct. as if it, it hit a gopher instead. And the other one is when you, uh, as a pitcher, uh, serve up a home run that goes four, four. miles. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's the uh, other ones, which is a can of corn. 
Yeah, can of corn, of course, you know, a very soft uh, pop-up. And uh, here's one I love. Yeah. You hear a lot on the radio as well. It's the excuse me swing. Yeah, I, I feel like that's any, an excuse me swing. I feel like anybody who who's like me, maybe not the best athlete, has taken a few excuse me swings. And then, of course, there's the others that you'll generally hear uh, sometimes in the game, sometimes at the stadium. You've got the band box. Yeah, band box, you know, a small park or a park that uh, a lot of uh, home runs take place in. Uh, here's one, again, makes no sense unless you understand baseball. It's got the battery mates. Yeah. Pitcher, catcher. Yeah. They're part of the battery. How about a businessman special? Now, you just went to a businessman special. Again, we're going to let the listeners fill in their own dirty yes. joke. What do you got there? Uh, I had a lot of ones, and, uh, you know, I basically <laughs> made sure I used them all up on uh, my friends and uh, my, everyone that I met that day. It's an afternoon game, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Pete, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, a cup of coffee is uh, kind of getting called up and then being sent right back down. Uh, you've got the junior circuit and the senior circuit. Absolutely, the AL and the NL. And, of course, the tools of ignorance. I love that expression. Yes. Catcher's gear, the tools of ignorance. Wait, hold on a second. You know, this whole thing started with, you know, poetry, emotion, and you were mentioning how some of the semantics is like the poetry of baseball. Yeah, I said that, but uh, I, I think I might instantly regret having done so. I think it's time that we take this opportunity to explore the poetry of baseball in a little something we like to call Orioles Senyuru. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for so many reasons. I'm just, you know, I'm going to drop my my baseball cap yes. here. I'm going to throw on my uh, literary nerd cap. You went for Senryu rather than Haiku, but it's not Haiku. God, this is awesome. Yeah, Haiku, uh, uh, a poem that has form uh, and very specific rules, sure. but also about nature. Well, and the other thing too is Senryu specifically is supposed to be almost in a satirical nature. And if there's anything that this show is about, it's a satirical nature. So well, then let's let's open up the bird's eye view poetry corner for a little Orioles Senryu. All right, do you want to start with the first one? Sure. And this this uh, is recent history yes. and and very relevant. Delman Young hits. Brings disaster in the field. Find better options. Very nice. Very nice. Make sure everyone you're counting your 575s five, here. O's problems abound. So offensively challenged. Tillman is no ace. Two games back in June. AL East is terrible. Panic anyway. Team Steve has one more. Clevenger called up again, just in time for Matt. Hunter in the game, please don't go boom on this day. Here comes seduction. Nelson Cruz is gone, and grandmothers close their doors. Here comes the boomstick. And we're going to close it out with Buck Showalter smiles. One more in the wind column. Put a bird on it. And with that, Jake, I don't think we could do it any better for that last one. Folks, if you've got one that you can do in the 575, submit it to us on Twitter, at BirdseyeViewBAL. We will favorite and retweet some of our favorite Senra U's that we come across in Orioles. And maybe we might you know, pull out this segment in the future, but let us know what you're thinking at this time. Hey, if you, if you thought that there was anything wrong with those uh, Orioles poems, show us up. Let us know what you got. And with that, I think it's time we show each other up 
Let's go over to Fantasy Boss and see who won this week. Oh, crap. Yes. I really appreciate you letting that uh, version of You're the Boss run long because I think it's the last time I'm going to hear it for a while. Look, I snuck one in this week. Good job. Uh, I brought the series to 5-2, so I'm three games back. What, God, what does that sound like? It sounds like something. Anyway, um, look, we both did awful. Yeah, category week. last week was RE24, so run expectancy in the 24 situations. And just to say the Orioles, uh, well, they didn't have a great week. Um, we actually failed miserably because we talked about the worst player that was going to be last week, and we both agreed it was going to be Chris Davis. And uh, Chris Davis ended up leading the week with 5.09. So, um, yeah, we suck. We have the power to turn this thing around through Fantasy Boss alone. Yes. So uh, I actually went with uh, Adam Jones, who had a negative 1.91 RE24. You went with Manny Machado, who was a negative 0.92. It was the ninth and 13th worst performing players out of 14 for the hitters. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's weird, though, because we've been doing so well. You know, like p- p- picking one and three or three and five or something like that. Not this week. Not this week. That's okay. Scott, I have a stat that is just stupid enough to work. All right. I'd like to hear it. I, I went rummaging through the statistical uh, categories, and I found one that I think is both dumb and obscure okay i like dumb and obscure it's not really dumb it's just mostly yeah, obscure. it's probably dumb so we're gonna go with weighted grounded into double play runs weighted grounded into double play runs this okay, is yeah. the number of runs above or below average added by a player by staying out of double plays okay okay i like it so do I get to pick? Absolutely. Okay, I'm going Jeremy Paredes. That is the best one, <laughs> and that was my selection. Scott, I'm going to shock you. Okay. I'm going to go with David Lowe. What? Absolutely. Okay. I think there is a pretty good chance. You've seen him play, right? I think there's a pretty good chance that he's not going to hit into a double play. <laughs> okay. There is that high degree of chance of probability, so... I, I guess we'll just have to see what happens this week and, and, and go from there. So, uh, well, okay. So we're going with Jimmy Paredes, who's been absolutely horrible. And we're going with David Lowe, who you absolutely hate with a vengeance. Who will own it? And I guess with that, um, we'll go ahead and head on over to the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, you know what, Jake? Uh, I'm actually going to go first this week, if, if you don't mind. And I'm just going to kind of break out who I thought had some pretty decent games. Um, there certainly isn't a lot of them. But actually, the one player that I thought had a pretty decent performance overall this week 
uh, undershadowed a little bit uh, was Brad Brock. Um, started uh, in three games this week, four innings pitched. Um, and again, just shut out innings and just a really nice performance out of the bullpen. And in all honesty, the bullpen has really solidified itself pretty remarkably. And again, perhaps that's because a lot of the starters are now starting to get a little bit deeper into games. But Brad Brock um, has been really good as of late. Um, he's got two wins, but I don't—I discount those completely. But Brad Brock is uh, coming to some high leverage situations, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the guys that's been singing the praises of Brad Brock has been uh, Zach Wilt of the Baltimore yep. Sports Report. I think Brock is going to be an important key component of this bullpen moving forward, particularly because I think that the roster is going to look a lot different in 2016 than it has in 2014 and 2015. Uh, my good for this week, I'm going to get it in while I can. Mm-hmm. My good for this week was Chris Davis. Okay, Chris yeah. Chris Davis was absolutely locked in this week. In 24 bats, he had uh, seven hits, four home runs. He also had eight RBIs. He walked five times against, I'm going to say only, ha, 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 uh, seven strikeouts uh, with, again, two doubles. Chris Davis, you know, again, you look at at the line and he's batting 292, and maybe that's not incredibly impressive, but it was. They were incredibly important at bats, and when he's been such a negative for this team, it's really nice to see him locked in the way he is right now. It kind of reminds me of when uh, Mark Reynolds was on the club. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was feast or famine, but when the feast was on, it was delicious. All right, uh, over to the bad category. My bad for the week is going to go to Jimmy hidden Paredes and uh as a DH you really can't be batting 194 242 on base and 258 slugging uh your job as a designated hitter is to um what's the word oh yeah hit the ball and uh if you're not going to do that then he doesn't need to be a designated hitter those at bats need to be going to other players on this team or even someone in AAA such as Nolan Reimold uh oh oh my goodness so he's my he's my bat for the week uh um, okay, and I'm I'm with you. The the important thing about uh, Jimmy Paredes though is that he is absolutely justifying his spot in the lineup with his glove. Oh, oh wait, all right. Mm-hmm. My bad for this week is Chris Tillman, and um, I I don't know what else to say about Chris Tillman except for the fact that he is in a terrible funk and needs to get out of it because this team needs him. Um, there's a lot of discussion going on in the league right now, and and writers around the country saying, you know, is, was Chris Tillman ever any good, or was it just favorable luck for two years uh i'm not really sure where i stand on this point but i will say that after what i saw from chris tillman this week seven earned runs in 11 uh, and two-thirds innings pitched i'm glad at this point that the orioles didn't get that deal done with him to extend him at this point i'm back to show me chris tillman okay that's perfectly fair um I'm going to go with my ugly for the week, and uh, it's going to be really unpopular. I already know off the top of my head. But it's got to go to Oliver Oliver Drake, who uh, he had a few good performances, but at the same point, nine walks per nine innings this week. And I know people want to claim that the youth is out there and they're going to change the way this team is being played. But let's take a look at some of the numbers for Oliver Drake. Uh, 4.50 ERA this week, 7.34 FIP, 5.50 XFIP. You know, he's got to work on that command issue. And if he can't have that command issue, then there really is no point in him being up here. The whole reason he came up to the major leagues is to be a strikeout slash a low walk pitcher. 
if he's not going to do that, then he needs to go back down to Norfolk because obviously his hot start has ended. Uh, similarly, this doesn't go by ugly, but it goes into an honorable mention. As much as people want to claim that Mike Wright is the next and future ace for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, that certainly wasn't the case in uh, his last start. Sure, he got the win um, after pitching only for five innings, but there really was nothing impressive with that. Um, only two strikeouts in the uh, on the game. And uh, he had a pretty uh, remarkable BABIP that game of 235. Uh, things are starting to turn very quickly for Mr. Wright. And uh, I'll be interested to see how much longer he's able to last before he gets shellacked a few more times. Wow, the haterade is out from Scott Magnus. Yeah, go ahead. What's your ugly? Mine is going to be very unpopular. And my ugly for this past week was Adam Jones. And I realized that the guy is hurt, uh, and he may have been playing hurt for quite some time, uh, but he didn't show up. And he didn't show up when he's, frankly, the only thing that the team's got going for them. Um, you know, we talked about it earlier. He's going to be the de facto all-star. Um, four hits this week and 21 at-bats, five strikeouts against the single walk. Everybody's allowed to slump. Yep. Don't get me wrong. Here's the ugly part of Adam Jones. Not only did he really slump in this past week, but if he's hurt, he needs to sit out. Yeah. You know, he's not Cal Ripken. The fact that he he played in 160 or whatever it was consecutive games doesn't mean anything. I know he's a gamer, but he can do a lot more good for this team if he plays when he's right and when he's not right if he sits out for a game so he gets right quicker. Because all the other guys that aren't right, and there's a lot of them, and all the other guys that are hurt, and there's a lot of them. Mike Wright, Wrestling Wright. Are taking up that space already. And we don't need that from Adam Jones. And we don't need it from the team leader. So Adam Jones, you need to get better. And if you're not, you need to work solely on getting better. And, and, that's, and with that, you're advocating for more David Lowe playing time. <sighs> and now we've truly reached the ugly part of the show. I hate myself for hating myself. A vicious circle. All right. Well, I think we have officially blown the save. Or, uh, uh, we can go into blowing the save now. Jake, did you want to blow the save? Yeah, I'm going to blow the save, and I'm going to do it with a little bit of uh, armchair managing, which oh, is something I try. We're very good with that in Baltimore. It's something I try to stay away from, but let me ask you something. Okay. Do we have to put Darren O'Day on a milk carton at this point? Why do you say that? I say that because I'm seeing so much of Chaz Rowe. Oh, yeah. And I'm seeing so much of Oliver Drake. And I'm not seeing enough Darren O'Day. He had two innings pitched this past week. And look, I know we're looking at a very small. But I feel like Darren O'Day has not been getting the innings this season that he's gotten in the past. Can I have a discussion here, if you don't mind? Please. One thing that I thought was interesting was, if you go back and look at last year's numbers for 2014, Darren O'Day has significant drop-off in performance in September and October. Sure, it's a possibility that it could have just been a situation where Darren O'Day, uh, you know, was just getting hit around pretty well by some really good hitters. But perhaps it was a situation of two of maybe he had too many innings under him for the given season. Maybe Buck is trying to stretch him out a little bit and saying, hey, we're trying to reduce your innings limit. Let some of these AAA guys take a little bit of your work off of you when we don't absolutely need it. And in really high leverage situations, that's when I'm relying on you. But in these games that yeah, it could go either way, let's let it go either way. I'm just going to say I don't love it. And I generally try not to do the armchair. It's uh, difficult for you to look forward into the future, especially when you're looking back at how terrible May was. That is true. 
All right. Well, with that, folks, I think we have wasted a good amount of your time now. <laughs> and uh, I don't think there's anything that we can further do to sully your earwaves. Um, entering into June, Orioles obviously need to go and win a few series. If they're not, then uh, things are going to get desperate pretty quickly. But certainly not out of it yet, folks. You're only three games below 500. Plenty of time left to go on a run. Um, they just need to start running. Yeah, they need to start running now. At least warming up and stretching. Um, anything else going on, Jake? With that, I have nothing else. So Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Wrap your ankle so that you don't twist it and you're out for two days and David Lowe has to play. And, uh, you know, you might want to put some Bengay on that uh, on those abs just to make sure that you don't throw out your oblique. Oblique! still here? It's over. Go home. Go.